1: And we are super excited today because not only do we have an extraordinary guest online, but he is about to announce something that will truly change your life. So I would want you to make sure you are seated, buckled in and ready to take notes because we have a phenomenal legend online and I know you're going to be astounded by what we're about to hear.
2: Yes, Dr. Tom O'Brien is a legend and I have been following Dr. Tom O'Brien since I started to realise that gluten was an issue with me and wheat was an issue with me and he was the first one who opened up my eyes to what was happening out there and... Uh, I think that was back in 2009, and I know for himself he was looking at this back in the year 2000, long before anybody else. So I believe he's the father of what this movement is happening at the moment where we're realising that gluten is not just about celiac disease but many other things. So I want to welcome from the U.S. in California Dr. Tom O'Brien. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome.
0: Thank you so much. It's a it really is a pleasure to be with the two of you. Thank you.
1: Tom, can I start you right from the beginning? Sorry, Cindy, I'm just going to button because I just want our audience (laughs) to know that Dr. Tom is not only gorgeous, but he is someone who obviously walks his talk. Tom, just in case there is any one of our listeners that are not aware of who you are and what you've done, could you give us a little bit of a background as to who you are, how you got into this work, and what your vision and mission is for the future?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. Uh yes. Um it started 36 years ago, uh actually almost 37 years ago when my ex and I could not get pregnant. And I was an intern at the time and I called the seven most famous doctors I'd ever heard of and said, "Hi, I'm just an intern, uh but I'm wondering if you could tell me what you do for infertility." They all told me what they would do and I put a program together and we were pregnant in 6 weeks. And my neighbors in married housing, we lived on campus at the time. They asked if I'd work with them. She had been through artificial insemination and nothing had worked. And I said, yes, of course. Um, I don't know if it'll help, but of course. They were pregnant in three months. So before I came out into practice, I was hot to trot to help every couple get pregnant that wanted to get pregnant. (laughs) <laughs> and there's, and uh, over the years, over these last three decades, I've helped hundreds of couples and, uh, with fertility issues or recurrent miscarriages and, and, uh, uh, when they can't find out an answer, when they can't find an explanation, uh, to these types of traumatic events and, and, uh, health problems, that is so great to hear. And I've told people often when they come to see me, uh, they say, I've been to Mayo Clinic, and they don't know what's wrong. And I'll say, That's great. That's great. Congratulations. And they look at me like I'm a nutcase. And, <laughs> you know, I've got a reputation of being a bit of a nutcase anyway. And I say, That means that you don't have a disease. Because if you had a disease, Mayo Clinic would find it. You've got dysfunction. Let's see what's not functioning right. And so we're going to do different types of tests. We're not doing tests identifying a disease. We're going to do tests that look for what's not working right. And then you've got them. And then people are ready to give you a shot and to see what you can find out. And so we'll do our tests. And they come back for the second visit. And like anyone going to a doctor to get test reports, everyone's nervous. And I'll say, good news, you're a mess. <laughs> and that, but that's great because all of this stuff is fixable. So let's fix it. And that's, that's actually the protocol, uh, the way of approaching health that Dr. Dale Bredesen at Buck Institute at UCLA, that's their Alzheimer's Research Center at UCLA, that he published a paper in November of 2014 in the medical journal Aging, where he showed that he completely reversed Alzheimer's in nine out of 10 people over five years, completely reversed it. And there was a 34-point checklist. Do they have this? Do they have this? Do that? Is this not functioning right? Is this not functioning right? And at the top of the list for Dr. Bredesen, which was the top of the list for me 36 years ago and with every couple that I've worked with ever since is at the top of the list. And There's not much that's all or every, but this is an every. Every couple with fertility concerns, every single couple had food sensitivities that they didn't know. There are foods that they're eating every day that were causing inflammation in the body, causing the dysfunction that they have. So, Mrs. Patient, every degenerative disease, every disease is a disease of inflammation at the cellular level. It's always inflammation. It's just a question, is it a brain cell or a kidney cell? Is it gasoline or kerosene? But it's always inflammation. So the first rule of thumb is stop throwing gasoline on the fire. And so to reduce the inflammation, you have to stop throwing gasoline on the fire. And every person who had hormone related issues had foods that they were eating that their immune system was responding to causing inflammation. So that got me into this whole world because the most common food that we found sensitivities to was wheat. So I started studying wheat. And I start, I looked at the research and I kept, and I'd read an article. And then at the back of the article are the references by which the author wrote his paper. I'd order those articles at the back. And I just kept reading and reading and reading and realized one day, I've got to carry this message out. Doctors need to know this. And then when I found doctors were resistant for every 10 doctors that were sitting there, two would implement this. Then I thought, I've got to get this out to the general public because doctors are too slow. And they're too locked into a particular mindset. And so we've been talking to uh, every physician group I can lecture to and every general public group I can talk to uh, for the last, um, oh gosh, it's going close to 20 years now that I've been talking about this.
2: Dr. Tom, why do you think that a medical fraternity is so resistant to this message? Because... In Australia, um, and I know it's happening all over the world, they say, well, if you don't have celiac disease and you don't have wheat allergy, then you can eat wheat. But people know when they eat wheat that they don't feel good. And I, I just don't understand this whole resistance when there is so much information out there at the moment. Um, yeah. Can you address that?
0: Yes. That's a really good question because it doesn't make sense. Until we realize, you know, this whole um, direction that I've been going in, what I've been teaching about, it's been evolving now for a number of years, and it really is, wheat's not the problem. Wheat is just the gasoline on the fire. That the problem that people experience is autoimmune mechanisms. That's the problem. So, and, but doctors don't think like that. They don't think about autoimmune mechanisms. And Yet, the reason that they don't think about autoimmune mechanisms is because they didn't receive adequate training on autoimmune mechanisms. They just don't know. You know, they, they haven't been um, educated on this. that when you look at surveys of uh, 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 physicians, uh, the American Autoimmune and Related Disorder Disease Association did surveys of physicians. And when they asked them in medical school, how much training in autoimmune diseases did you receive? 18.5% of the doctors said one lecture. 13% of the doctors said three to five lectures. 27% of the doctors said two lectures. Now those are lectures. Those are not courses. Those are not multi-month courses three times a week. That's just individual talks, one to three lectures for 50% of all the doctors in training. When they were asked, would you agree that you received enough training to diagnose and treat autoimmune diseases, there were um, 12% of them that strongly agreed. The rest of them said, no, we didn't get enough training to uh, to feel um, uh, to diagnose and treat autoimmune disease. So over 80%, 85% of the doctors did feel they did not get enough training to diagnose when someone has an autoimmune disease. And when they were asked, what's your level of comfort in diagnosing autoimmune disease? 50% of them said uncomfortable. Uh, 13.5% said stressed. 25% said average comfort. So doctors just haven't had the training But we expect our doctors to know all of these things about autoimmune diseases, about health in general, and they just haven't had the training. But the training that they did receive told them that they knew everything about health, that they'd gotten the best training available in the world. They knew it. So many doctors come out into practice with this rigidity, feeling that they know the mechanisms of what's going on because they've spent years studying this. And in reality, they really have it dialed down on identifying diseases. That is the area of expertise, is identifying a disease. They do not have adequate training in identifying dysfunction. And when you talk about a sensitivity to foods, you're talking about dysfunction long before it becomes disease. Now to your specific question, why do doctors say that if you don't have a weed allergy or you don't have celiac disease, You don't have a problem with wheat. It's because they haven't had time to read any of the over twenty thousand studies that say yes, celiac is a problem, and yes, wheat allergies are a problem. That's the skin prick test that you do. But let's talk about the skin prick prick test for a minute. If you take your child to an allergist because you think they have a problem with some foods, the allergist does a skin prick test, and that test is an IgE test. It's looking for elevated antibodies to IgE. Now, Mrs. Patient, your immune system is the armed forces in your body. There's an army, an air force, a Marines, a Coast Guard, a Navy. It's there to protect you. And there are many different branches of the armed forces. So when your doctor does a skin prick test, he's testing IgE. That's the air force in this example. If it comes back negative to wheat, Your doctor, if he's an allergist, will say, see, here's the test result. You don't have a problem with wheat. It's okay to eat wheat. Wrong answer. The correct answer to that test is, Mrs. Patient, the Air Force has not been called out right now. You do not have an IgE reaction. That is an accurate answer. And if the patient were educated, the patient would say, well, doctor, what about the Army? Has the Army been called out IgG? And the doctor would say if they were just realistic, they'd say, well, I didn't check IgE. Or what about the Marines? Has the IgA been called out? Well, I didn't check IgA. I checked IgE. So IgE, which was the first allergy test that ever came out back in the 1950s, it was so helpful because there was no other way to prove people had a problem with food. So if you had this particular problem with food, the Air Force being called out, IGE, it would show up in this test. You'd have a reaction on your skin to the skin prick test. And it was so helpful that a whole discipline developed in medicine around this approach. They, call, they are called allergists. And so that whole discipline developed in the 1950s. And for the last 70 years, pretty close to 70 years now, they've been doing that test. It's a very good test, but it's a limited test. It's not comprehensive. It doesn't look at the Marines or the Air Force or the Navy, IgG, IgA, IgM. It doesn't look at any of that. But if you ask an allergist about this, you're ruffling their feathers. And not many of them will say, well, that's a very good question I never thought about. They won't say that. Uh, Many of our patients have said when they ask this type of question, the doctor gets up and walks out of the room. And doesn't come back or has some defensive mechanism. Who's the doctor here? Something like that. So uh, I that's the best that I can tell you as to why doctors say if you don't have uh, a wheat allergy, you don't have a problem with wheat.
1: Tom, I love it in your um, in many of your interviews that I've heard you talk about, and, and I'm just going to list a, a number of conditions that are fairly common, particularly uh, a lot of women are looking at either with their children or their own selves. I'm going to list some conditions. Are you saying then that um, wheat could be a major indicator, cause or surrounding problem around things like alzheimer's rheumatoid arthritis leaky gut celiac psoriasis add adhd epilepsy fertility issues idiopathic cardiomyopathy like any of these conditions if a mum or a woman has gone into a doctor to ask someone about that if a doctor does not talk about the big picture Are you suggesting that wheat could be an issue and behind that, and our body, depending on the individual, will respond to that issue um, in different ways? Is that a way of looking at it?
0: There is no question that every one of the conditions you have referenced has many articles, research articles, medical articles, and medical journals validating that for some people, the trigger. To get that condition to calm down, all of those conditions that you just referenced, the trigger is a sensitivity to wheat. Not in all all people with those conditions, but in some of the people with those conditions. Let me give you an example. With epilepsy, there is a condition called drug-resistant epilepsy. It's a terrible thing. It's when your child is getting seizures, you've gone to the pediatrician, who sent you to the neurologist, and the neurologist has given your child medications, they don't work, you went back, he gave you a stronger medication, it doesn't work. There has to be at least two physicians and two different medications prescribed to qualify for the diagnosis of drug-resistant epilepsy. In the Journal of Gastroenterology, they published a paper that showed 50% of children with drug-resistant epilepsy, 50% of them go into complete remission on a gluten-free diet. 50% of this terrible condition. Why don't our neurologists know this and check every epileptic patient for a wheat sensitivity? Because neurologists don't read gastroenterology journals. They read neurology journals. So that paper was published in a gastroenterology journal. So And doctors don't have the time to read all of these articles. They read the articles on the areas that they specialize in. But to your question directly, every single one of those conditions that you reference have many articles saying that sometimes a sensitivity to wheat can be the trigger and the necessary link to pull it out of there to calm down that condition.
2: Wow. Dr. Tom, could you explain uh, to our audience autoimmune disease? Um, Yes. Because I think that some might be a little bit confused as to, well, what is an autoimmune disease? How do we get it? What's the body doing? So could you explain that to them?
0: Yes, of course. And that is the um, uh, exact uh, purpose of our upcoming docuseries, Betrayal, is that I want every attendee? To really have a working understanding, not in geek language, you know, just in everyday language, to have an understanding of what is this? Why is it so important to know about? And I'll just tell you now, it's the number one mechanism in getting sick and dying in the world is your immune system attacking your own tissue. And autoimmune disease means that your immune system that's there to protect you is now attacking you. It's attacking your brain or it's attacking your thyroid or it's a attacking your muscles, whatever tissue is being attacked. So your immune system, as I've re- referenced, is the armed forces. It's there to protect you. But what happens, because of the crazy, toxic world we live in, your body gets exposed to, th- how do I say this uh, in two minutes, Um Let's give the example. Let's give the example of bisphenol A. Bisphenol A is the chemical in plastic that softens plastic like water bottles or soft contact lenses and many, many, many other products. But bisphenol A is very water soluble, which means it leaks out of the plastic into the water. And then we have this in our bloodstream. When they've checked newborn children now in the United States, 9 out of 10 of them Uh, In some studies, 10 out of 10 of them have bisphenol A in the bloodstream at birth. Every child being born today, or almost every child, depending on which study you read, has bisphenol A measurable in their bloodstream. It's not supposed to be there. This substance binds to your estrogen receptor sites and gives you hormone-related problems like cancer or uh, polycystic ovaries or uterine fibroids, or testosterone deficiencies. There are studies on bisphenol A and its impact on the body that are just shocking. Every person now in the United States has this in their bloodstream. When bisphenol A gets into your bloodstream, it grabs onto your tissue. It hooks onto a protein, like um, uh, the receptor site for estrogen. When it hooks onto that protein, that molecule, that substance is no longer just a receptor site. It's a receptor site with a new chemical bound to it, kind of hanging onto it. Kind of like a coral uh, grows on, or not, not coral. Well, what, what's the name of those seashells that grow on the underside of a boat? You know, whatever barnacle. those things a are barn- called. Barnacles. A barnacle, right. Barnacles. Right, thank you. A barnacle. A barnacle is now a part of the boat. You know, it's on the boat. So bisphenol A binds to your receptor sites in this example, or it binds to your brain cells. Now you've got this barnacle molecule, this this substance that's not supposed to be there. Your immune system says, whoa, what's this? This is not something that's supposed to be here. I better fight this. And your immune system makes antibodies to fight it, to fight this, this barnacle. It's called a neoepitope. That's the technical name for a new molecule in the body, a neoepitope. Your immune system fights this thing, and so it fires chemical bullets to destroy it. You destroy the bisphenol A. Now, there's remnants of bisphenol A floating around in your blood, but you also destroy the estrogen receptor in this example because it's bound together. So now you've got damaged estrogen receptors. Well, your body makes antibodies to all of our tissue, to your thyroid, your, dr- your lungs, your liver, your brain. Why? because we always need to clean up the old cells, the damaged cells to make room for new cells to grow. So there's a normal level of antibodies to your thyroid, a normal level of antibodies to the myelin in your brain, a normal level of antibodies to estrogen receptor sites. But now, because it's bisphenol A's created neoepitopes, your immune system's killing off more estrogen receptor sites than it should be. So you have an Elevated level of antibodies that get formed to your estrogen receptor sites to get rid of these damaged cells from the immune system attacking the neoepitope. So now you have elevated antibodies to your estrogen receptor sites, killing off more estrogen receptor sites, killing off more estrogen receptor sites, or to your thyroid. In an example of a thyroid, thyroid, killing off your thyroid, killing off your thyroid, killing off your thyroid. And you don't feel any of this when it's going on, but it's going on until eventually. You kill off enough thyroid tissue. I'll use that example now because it's easier. You, ha- you kill off enough thyroid tissue. Now you start getting symptoms of a sluggish thyroid. What might that be? Cold hands and feet. Maybe you wear socks to bed. Can't get up in the morning. Wish you had 20 more minutes in bed. Keep hitting the snooze alarm. Can't lose that extra 10 pounds even if you try. Feel sluggish, maybe even a little depressed. You go to your doctor and he checks your thyroid hormone levels and they're fine. But if he checks your thyroid antibody levels, they're elevated. That's an autoimmune thyroid disease. And the symptoms don't start when you first start making antibodies to this neoepitope that formed. The symptoms only begin after you've killed off enough thyroid tissue that the thyroid can't function properly anymore. That's the autoimmune mechanism. That's what we're going to talk about in Betrayal. And with interviewing 85 world experts and the patients who have gone through this and reversed their diseases. I know I've just gone through a very technical concept in the last four or five minutes, and I I, I hope that you guys could flow with me on it, but don't feel like there's something wrong if you don't quite get the big picture. It's a very, very technical concept, but this is the mechanism that's going on for all of us today it's the underlying mechanism behind all disease. All degenerative diseases is your immune system attacking your own tissue. And it's not attacking your own tissue. It's attacking the neoepitopes of tissue. And it's because one more topic I'll give you here. Currently today in the United States, I don't know the numbers in Australia, but I'm sure they're not far behind. In the United States, we are Dumping into the United States 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per day into the United States. Now, in the room that I'm in right now, there are three people sitting here. That means 750 pounds of toxic chemicals per person uh, for the three of us per day. 750 pounds. How many 50 pound bags? of toxic chemicals is that that's, uh, 14, 15, 15, 50 pound bags of toxic chemicals every day are being dumped into the U S and this stuff gets into our bodies and your immune system trying to protect you is going after this stuff when it binds to your tissue. And we've got this whole autoimmune mechanism going on. That's just come up in the last 30 years. There's one more thing I'm going to tell you because I'm on a roll. Uh, (laughs) I was, um, I was, uh, I, I was flying back from Austin, Texas, the other day. I did a lecture there to a group of nutritionists, and I read an article in the newspaper that said the World Wildlife Federation and two universities just teamed up to publish this study to show that there is a fifty-seven percent reduction in wildlife on the planet since 1970. And I said, oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. And then I went on to the next article. I arrived home in San Diego, got in our car. We were driving home on the highway and I almost hit the brakes to say, wait a minute. What did I just read? We've wiped out 57% of everything on the planet. There's 57% less elephants, 57% less kangaroos, 57% less rainbow trout that the average is 57% reduction of all wildlife on the planet in the last 40 years. We don't know. We're, we need to wake up to what we're doing to ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren. We're wiping out the planet, people. And I'm not an uh, uh, alarmist, but I sure am today. I mean, after reading this and realizing what we're doing, that's why we put together betrayal the autoimmune disease solution they're not telling you is that we need to understand you can't fix what you don't know. And if you don't know why your body is going down, why diabetes is going up so quickly, why Alzheimer's going up so quickly, why autism is going up so quickly, why rheumatoid arthritis is going up so quickly, just look at the studies. They're all going up exponentially in the last 20, 30 years. When I came into practice in 1980, One child out of every 483 were at risk of developing autism. Now, in the U.S., it's one out of 63, and the estimate is it's going to be one out of two within the next 20 years. That was published about four months ago by the National Institute of Science. One out of two children will be on the autism spectrum within the next 20 years. We have to wake up to what we're doing. That's why we're doing Betrayal is that if we understand what's happening to our bodies and we start asking the right questions, we will learn how to take better care of our bodies. And my prayer is we learn how to take better care of our planet.
2: Wow, oh, you said that so beautifully. And, and you know, one of the things that uh, Kim Morrison does is that um, she's very much about chemical-free living. And most people don't understand um, that going into the grocery store and just picking up a shampoo, a conditioner, a moisturiser, a perfume, a, a scent for the house or whatever is, is filled probably with more xenoestrogens. So my question to you is you talked about BPA. What about the other xenoestrogens? Are they doing the same thing and creating these neoepitones that our body is attacking? Is, is it just not BPA? Is it more?
0: um yes my goodness yes um, um i just use the bpa example because many have heard of it i'll give you another common example uh perhaps the most common autoimmune disease that's being recognized today is thyroid autoimmune disease and um the way our our hormones work is that um uh, we have receptor sites that sit on the outside of the cells Receptor sites are like catcher's mitts. The pitcher throws the ball to the catcher. And the the hormones are going through the bloodstream. As they're going through the bloodstream, they get attracted into the receptor site for that particular hormone. Thyroid hormones go into thyroid receptor sites. Estrogen will not go into a thyroid receptor site. Insulin will not go into a thyroid or an estrogen receptor site. It goes into an insulin receptor site. Testosterone will not go into a thyroid or an estrogen or an insulin receptor site. It goes into a testosterone receptor site. That all of the hormones go into receptor sites on the outside of cells. Interestingly, there are only two substances for which there are receptor sites on every cell of your body. That means every cell of your body requires these two substances. What are those two substances? One of them is vitamin D. Every cell in your body needs vitamin D, every cell. Hmm. The other one is thyroid hormone. It's, Why yeah. thyroid hormone? Because thyroid hormone is the thermostat sitting on the wall of your house that you turn down at night to keep the, uh, t- the, turn the furnace down to keep the temperature cooler while everyone's asleep to save some fuel, and it automatically turns back up on in the morning before everybody gets up, that's your thermostat. Thyroid hormone is the thermostat on every cell of your body. It's called your metabolism. That's why it's on every cell of your body. Now, there are three chemicals that bind onto thyroid receptor sites, just like thyroid hormone does. They compete and they bind on thyroid receptor sites. The problem with these chemicals is that they do not break down and go away. They accumulate in the thyroid receptor sites. So if the catcher in a baseball game has three baseballs in his glove and the pitcher throws a fastball, the the fastball just bounces right out of the catcher's mitt. He can't catch it because the catcher's mitt is full of these baseballs. That's what happens with thyroid receptors when these competing chemicals are bound to the thyroid receptor site. The hormone goes right by in the bloodstream. It can't get into the cell. What are the chemicals that compete with thyroid receptor sites? The most common one is chlorine. Chlorine. Mrs. Patient, if you're in an elevator in a hotel and the elevator door is open, can you tell right away the swimming pools on that floor? And many people say, oh, gosh, yes, of course. But everyone can't smell it, but you can smell it. Why? Because you're hypersensitive to chlorine. Most likely, you've got accumulated chlorine in your receptor sites, and you're making antibodies to chlorine. So that's the patient that gets thyroid symptoms. They go into the doctor. They get a blood test. There's plenty of thyroid hormone in the bloodstream. There's plenty of hormone, but they have thyroid symptoms. Why? Because the thyroid hormone in the, your, your bloodstream is just a highway. It's just a highway that's carrying everything. It's got to get into the cells, but the hormone can't get in the cell because the receptor, the doorway to get into the cell, is full of chlorine. The other two substances are bromide and fluorine or fluoride. So that's the example with thyroid. That's a really easy one for people to understand. The exact same mechanism is true with xenoestrogens. And you ask the question, and some of the xenoestrogens actually act like estrogen. They just don't bind on the receptor site. They turn the cell on as if they're estrogens, and they're very potent toxic estrogens. Bisphenol A, for example, is a xenoestrogen that is as potent as estradiol, the most common estrogen that is given therapeutically. Bisphenol A is just as potent molecule for molecule. That is one of the reasons why autoimmune diseases are much more common in women than they are in men, because we're all exposed to these xenoestrogens, but they bind on estrogen receptor sites, and women have more estrogen receptor sites than men do. So you make the antibodies to the neoepitope of the xenoestrogen with the estrogen receptor site, and now you start attacking the estrogen cell, the estrogen receptor cell. Tom. Whether it's on your uterus or your 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 breasts or in your brain. And that's why women have more autoimmune diseases than men.
1: And, and do you think, Tom, just around this whole focus around women, um, not only do we have obviously more exposure or, sorry, more ability to take this on, but because of our fat levels, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but we do carry naturally more fat. I mean, some of the studies I've been looking at lately is around a group of chemicals called obesogens that they, they really do work closely with and, and they're absolutely attracted to fat cells. And that's why a lot of women tend to carry more chemicals. But one of the things that I, I was looking at with a, a survey or a research that was done by the Environmental Working Group They were looking at the, and I think it was in 2004, they looked at the umbilical cord blood from 10 babies born that year. And from memory, there was a total of nearly 300 chemicals, 200 of which were industrial chemicals and pollutants and things like that, that was found in these umbilical cords from pesticides through to the polycyclic um, aromatic hydrocarbons, flame retardants, all sorts of things. If we're sitting here and the more we hear people like yourself and Cindy talking and telling us about this, I just sit there as a mum, as a, as a woman, and I go, is there any point living? Um, you know, like there are so many things conflicting our health these days. Could you, as an amazing researcher and doctor, give us some basic go-tos on what we can do to reduce our chemical exposure and enhance our health and wellness around helping, um, you know, things, are, what you're saying around these toxins and how we can do it on a daily basis?
0: You bet. That's an excellent question. The, uh, the study you're referring to was 283 chemicals in umbilical blood, uh, flame retardants and all the others. And you, you're right, it was, it was ballpark 300. It was 283 chemicals. Uh, and they're just nasty as can be, and these little babies' bodies aren't designed to handle this, and it impacts their brain. And That's one of the mechanisms why we have so much autism today is all the toxic chemicals that are binding on brain cells. That's another contributor to it. It's not just vaccines. Of course, vaccines may be an irritant, but it's all the chemicals we're being exposed to. And we really have to wake up. You can't just change your lipstick and think that you're going to be safe and healthy. It's critically important as I understand, Kim spends a lot of time talking about cosmetics, critically important for women who want to use cosmetics that they stop putting the poisons on, their bo- on and in their body. You just have to stop. And you, you, there are so many good alternatives now that there's no reason. You don't have to buy extremely expensive stuff to find stuff that works. I'm no expert on makeup, but I know that stuff is out there now so that you're not using a lot of toxins. And in betrayal, that's exactly what we're doing over seven days. I asked experts all those same questions. So, some of the things you do um, stop you going to the coffee shop and getting coffee cups with lids on them. Those plastic lids are loaded with bisphenol A, and the steam of the hot beverage goes, uh, comes up and it condenses on the other side of the lid and it drops back down into your coffee full of bisphenol A. And then you tilt the cup up to put it to your mouth. And so the hot beverage is hitting the underside of the lid, pulling more bisphenol A down into the liquid that's coming through the hole in the lid that you're you're drinking the coffee through. So you go to a coffee shop with your stainless steel little coffee mug and you say, here, fill it up. And, And you fill it up, but you stop using that stuff. Stop using saran wrap. Stop using plastics because that stuff leaks into your food and you're feeding it to your family. Stop wearing your shoes in the house because when you walk on the sidewalk, or you walk on the grass, you're pulling up the Roundup that's been sprayed to kill the dandelions, it's on the bottom of your shoes. You walk through the house, now it's in the carpet, and your kids walk on the carpet, or your teenager's laying on the floor watching television, or you're on the floor doing yoga, and you're getting all this, um, the glyphosates, the, the toxic chemicals, that we really have to, uh, we, you can't do it as an afterthought anymore. It has to be a primary, educational objective for all of your listeners, I'm going to spend one hour a week, one hour a week. You know, I start many of my talks with this, uh, uh, uh picture of a display in the museum of science in Florence, Italy, and it's Galileo's finger. And if you go to, to Amazon and you type in Galileo's you go, there's a couple of books on it. And Galileo bequeathed, that all of his inventions could be on display for all of posterity. As long as they also displayed his finger. It happens to be his middle finger. It was his last message to the church for the way that he was treated by them. So he got the last laugh, but uh, it's a cute story, you know, but I use it because the one finger, one hour, you allocate one hour a week, one hour a week to learning more about how do I protect my family? One hour a week. And as long as you do that, as long as you allocate one hour a week to reading more about this kind of thing, you will dial this down. It may take you six months to get enough information to feel really comfortable. Who cares how long it takes? But it's one hour a week. That's all you need to do is one hour a week. and so that's the way I suggest that you approach this. Uh, a betrayal is coming up soon. You're going to hear from world experts on this topic. But we all have to wake up, everyone. We have to wake up to this. This is this is not just an afterthought anymore.
1: Tom, can you tell us who exactly is going to be on this um, docuseries? Can you give us a couple of key oh my goodness, players? goodness, yes.
0: Oh my goodness, yes. Professor Yehuda Schoenfeld is the godfather of predictive autoimmunity. To understand who this guy is, 28 of his PhD students that received their PhD under him, there have been many more than that, but 28 of them chair departments of immunology in med schools and hospitals around the world. They're his students, 28 of them. Professor Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who is the founder of the Institute for Functional Medicine. This whole concept of functional medicine. Uh, uh, Professor Aaron Lerner um, from Israel, who is the guy who's published about the neo epitope of when wheat binds with your own tissue transglutaminase, that's identifiable seven years before a person ever gets celiac disease. Um, I've got experts from the Netherlands, from Harvard uh, talking about silicone. Every silicone implant leaks. <sighs> let me let me say that again. Every silicone implant leaks. Just read the science. But I've got the experts who publish the papers talking about it. So we reevaluate what we're doing with our bodies. And uh, 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 I, I don't even know where uh, David Jones, the president emeritus of the Institute for Functional Medicine. Mark Hyman, who chairs the functional medicine clinic at Cleveland Clinic, um, uh, Patrick Hanaway, uh, the director of education for the Institute for Functional Medicine, um, uh, Torsten Matthias from Germany, uh, <clears throat> who is—and I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice—who is an immunologist that talks about uh, uh, the immune system responds to foods. Uh, Oh, it goes on and on uh, i 'm so proud of the entire list of people that we put it that we put together i um, i This is my swan song. This is thirty years of my work to really help people understand to be walked through step by step what happens in the body in everyday language. Where does this trigger come from? What can I do about it that 's betrayal. the autoimmune Disease solution—they're not telling you.
2: You know, Dr. O'Brien, I think you have a lot of swan songs, and uh, your new book out, "The Autoimmune Fix," um, would be one of them. Would you like to talk to people about this wonderful new book of yours and and what you talk about in it, and what is the fix? What what do we do? You know, what we once we have all this information? Is it hard for us to do?
0: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, the autoimmune fix, it's on Amazon and other stores and um, uh, around the world now. Um, it is this whole story. I walk you through from my days as a baker. <laughs> I, I was a baker in a health food restaurant when I was in my early 20s. So I started there and I went wow. and, I, and, I, and I, go through, I go through all of it, you know, and how I learned all of this and what the studies say. And, uh, it's really funny, uh, uh, but the autoimmune fix is, is to bring you along on my journey of what I've gone through and what the science currently is and what the experts say with the research references in the book, lots of graphs, lots of pictures, lots of little pearls, like, uh, chlorine on thyroid receptor sites. And what do you do? You get a chlorine shower filter because the main place you get exposed to chlorine is in the shower. You suck up the steam and it goes right through the lungs. Uh, And what do you do? There has to be a shift in how we look at this. You can't think about a pill or a different lipstick. You have to shift how you think of this. For the first time in the history of the human species, very first time ever, children today have a shorter projected lifespan than their parents'. They're going to get sick at earlier ages, and we're seeing this, the autism, the diabetes, we're seeing it. They get diagnosed with disease at earlier ages, and they die at an earlier age than their parents. We have to wake up. You can't look for a simple fix anymore. This has to become a priority for everyone to start protecting yourself from toxic exposures, whether it's food, chemicals, plastics. We have to wake up, and that's what the... Uh, betrayal and the autoimmune fix is about.
1: Dr. Tom, I know we don't have a lot of time left with you. Um, for anybody listening to this, obviously this is going to be the greatest way that they can connect with the work that you've done and also the people that you're in connection with. I think one of the biggest take-homes I've taken today, and I loved your whole approach to the autoimmune system, that it really is um, the armed forces and that a lot of the tests that doctors are doing these days, um, I'm gathering that the IGE was the Air Force, the IGG was the Army, the IGA, the Marines, the IGM, the Navy. I really love that. And that for me personally, as a mom, many of the testing that we're getting, we get told from a doctor and we believe it's the overall thing. So I'm, I'm assuming that in this docu series, we're going to hear from different people that will explain all of this and make it a lot more simple for us. And I'm really yes. also of the understanding that we can't blame our doctors. As hard as it feels sometimes when they misdiagnose or don't know it, it's, it's, am I right to assume that it's just that they're not educated and perhaps with a lot of the pharmacology and Um, pharmaceutical companies that, you know, that's driven by sales. So would I be right in assuming that your entire work and devotion to this amazing Betrayal docuseries is to give people the straight answers, is to give people hope? I really am hoping that it's going to give us hope that it's not all doom and gloom, that we have the right to control um, our gene expression and that we can support Uh, perhaps genetic predispositions, we have the power. Can you just explain as we sum up that we do have that power, that there is hope?
0: That is a great question, and yet that's why there are so many patients in betrayal talking about how they reversed their MS, they reversed their rheumatoid, they reversed their, their child's autism. There are many testimonials and how they do it. And I'm reminded of one uh, uh, lovely middle-aged woman who, uh, she's looking at the map of London and she puts her finger up on the route. She says, this is the train station where I exited to come here. And it's only a seven block walk to get here. It's not a big deal, but it is. And then she starts crying. Mm. I get tears, you know, just thinking about it. But she said, I had eight lesions in my brain and I couldn't walk. Now I have one lesion left and it's very small and I have no symptoms. Yes, there are answers, ladies Mm. and gentlemen. There are a lot of answers out there. It requires a shift in context, a shift in the platform of how you look at your health and what you allow to come into your environment. A major shift. And that's what we talk about in Betrayal. That's what I talk about in the book.
2: It's a shift. It's a change. It's um, an awakening. It's an education. It's... Uh, about improving our own health and that of our families, and then hopefully that knock-on effect will continue. I, you know, I'm going to give this to a couple of my friends who are medical doctors who all have they have autoimmune diseases and they don't listen. So I'm actually going to implore them to to watch this or listen to it. it it's video and audio, isn't it, Dr. Tom?
0: Yes, it is. It's a docu series. It's like a movie. Yeah, over seven days. Over seven days. Uh,
2: well, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with um, my group. I'm looking forward to sharing it with Up for a Chat, our community, because there are a lot of them are looking for answers, and I'm hoping that that will then become a knock-on effect into their community because those that are are on Up for a Chat, those are on Changing Habits in 28 what we we find is that they're already on that journey it's the people that aren't on this journey that are being given methotrexate or some other anti-inflammatory in order to handle the condition they're having as opposed to cure that condition these are the ones we need to get to and so I anybody who's listening share this share this podcast share the link where you get to watch this amazing docu series um, called betrayal I'm I can hardly wait, Tom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank Doctor, you. Thank you. Where do we go? Thank, thank you, you so, so very much. Thank where, you. Where
1: do thank we go you. to find out more about you, Dr. Tom, and also Betrayal? We'll put a link in our show notes as to how to get onto this. But where else can people find more about your work? What's your website? Oh,
0: thank, oh, thank you. you. My website is thedr.com. So that's thedoctor.com. Just don't spell the word doctor out; just dr. The dr.com.
1: Perfect. And um, is there any final message you would love to say to our listeners um, in regards to anything we've talked about today or, or moving forward?
0: Oh, thank you. Um, uh, there is no such thing as a cure. A cure means my symptoms are gone, all the markers of the problem are gone, and I can do whatever I want in my life. A remission is my symptoms are gone, all the indicators of my problems are gone, and as long as I live my modified lifestyle, I'm going to be healthy and happy. So we have to shift how we look at all this, and if you apply one hour a week to learning more about this and be patient with yourself, you will win the ball game. You will have a healthy, vibrant, dynamic life for you and your family.
2: Thank, Thank you.
1: you. I love it. Well, I would love to say that um, on behalf of Cindy and I, what an absolute honor and privilege it is. We have had a boy crush on you for a number of years. Um, and it's a real honor to have you on live. Um, I can't believe that in one of our outros I did say that you are a legend in all our lunch boxes. so it just fell out, but you truly are.
0: Um,
1: but thank you for your time. We know how busy you are, um, and you really do mean a lot to us in the work, the way you give us hope. It, it really does mean a lot to us. So thank you. Thank you so, so much.
0: Oh, thank you very much. It's really a pleasure and honor to be with the two of you and and to support the work you're doing out in the world. Uh, Thank you very much.
1: Okay, so all our beautiful listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we have enjoyed bringing it to you, and I know you're all jealous that. Uh, Even though I can't touch him, this is the closest and as good as it's going to get until he's in our country again. But if you are interested in following us more and placing any of your comments, feedback, questions, or finding out more about betrayal, then go to all the Ws, thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat, or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Please let us know what you think about how extraordinary and how privileged we are to have this man on our show. And on behalf of all of our listeners, Tom, thank you again. And, Cindy, it's a privilege as always. We look forward to speaking again with you all next week on Up For A Chat and where we can make a change via the ripple effect of our daily absolute actions that we take responsibility for. So on that note, we'll see you next week. Enjoy yourselves, and we'll see you on the ride.
0: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch: Streaming Wellness into Your Lives.